my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is May 15th through the 21st, and I want to be talking about when Mary came and gave her, gave her gift to the Savior before his atonement. Now, this story takes place about six days before the Passover, which heralded in the crowning achievement of the Savior, which was the atonement. And the Savior and his disciples are eating dinner at Martha's house. And in comes Mary, and this is what happened. So this is John chapter 12. And it's verses 3 through 5. It says, Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Now, after Judas asks this question, where Mary is, of course, trying to perform this service for the Savior, Christ says, leave her alone. She is doing something really meaningful to me. Leave her alone. And I want to talk about a couple of specific details in this story because I believe that these details can teach us a little bit about our service and our sacrifices that we make for the Savior. Now, first little detail. For this principle, I want you to think about someone you really, really love in the way that Mary loves the Savior. I want, to, I want you to picture what she was doing and the love that she must have felt. I want you to hold someone in your mind where you have that same natural feeling that, that Mary was experiencing. And let's look at Mary's situation. So it talks about, in this chapter, Christ says, she saved this anointment for my burial. And to me, when he says this, it indicates that Mary knew, at least to an extent, that, this, that Christ was going to die, right? Not everyone understood that. That was... When you read throughout the New Testament, not everybody understood that Christ was going to be sacrificed, that he was going to die. But from that statement where it says that she had saved that ointment for his burial, to me, that indicates that Mary knew. She knew that he was going to die. Now, I want you to go back to this person. And I'm asking you to have this person in your mind that you love because I feel like sometimes our... Personal love for the Savior can sometimes feel a little bit abstract or it can be hard to summon that feeling because just in different moments, right? And I want you to think of someone that naturally brings out those feelings because it is the feelings of Mary that I believe are so critical to understanding this story and why this story is such a big deal. It is the feeling. So I want you to take that person that you love, that very specific person, and I want you to place yourself in the same situation that Mary and the Savior were in. Mary knew that Christ was going to die. And so this was how she wanted to honor him when she knew that he was going to die. How would you honor your loved one? And it doesn't have to be what Mary did. <laughs> how would you choose to honor that loved one? And it's okay to be specific, right? In fact, the more specific you choose to be, the better because it will 
better help you feel what Mary was feeling. What would you do if you knew your loved one was dying? How would you try to comfort them and honor them? And as you're thinking this specific action that you're performing for your loved one, that you can honor them with everything in your heart, I want you to picture someone coming along and scoffing at you for doing it. Because that's exactly what happened to Mary, right? Judas is like, oh, what are you doing? Why didn't you do this instead to honor him, right? He scoffs at her. And I think that's such a big deal because this wasn't some haphazard action that Mary had chosen. She didn't just grab expensive ointment that she had and just like, oh, I'm just going to do this really quick, right? She had thought about this and she, it was meaningful to her. It was important to her. It was important to the Savior. How, I wonder how Mary felt in that moment when Judas scoffed and he was like, oh, why didn't we sell this ointment and give it to the poor? Right? I don't know how Mary felt. We could have been very, very different personalities. (laughs) In fact, I think I'm more like Martha. Anyway, besides the point, I can't tell you how Mary felt, but I can tell you how I might have felt if I had been in that situation, if I had been doing that action and then someone was like, excuse you, what do you, like, why didn't we sell that and give that to poor? If it had been me, I feel like I would have maybe hesitated a little bit. Like I I would have been thrown off balance. Like, oh, did I do something wrong? Like, should I have sold this and and given it to the poor. Is that what the Savior would have preferred me to do? Is he angry at me? Should I have done something else, right? The action that Mary performed was meaningful to Christ. However, the thing that really meant something to Christ was what was how Mary felt about him. If Mary had sold this ointment and given it to the poor, let's say that that was how she chose to honor him. Let's say that she was thinking about the fact that he was going to be taking from her and she was thinking about everything that he had done for her, everything he had taught her and how he brought her brother back to back to her. And she thought, you know what? I'm going to honor the Savior by following his teachings. I'm going to take this expensive ointment. I'm going to go sell it. I'm going to give it all to the poor. And then I picture her having a private conversation with the Savior, not because she wants to be praised, but because she wants him to know that she honored him because she loved him. I feel like the Savior would have felt every bit as comforted as he did in the action she chose to perform when he heard that she was doing it because she loved him and she was trying to follow his teachings and that's how she wanted to honor him. I can picture him with tears in his eyes hugging her because it wasn't really about the action. It was about being loved. He was feeling loved before he was going to go perform this atonement. And that's the principle here. Whatever we're choosing to do, especially the things that we're choosing to do in the church, let it be about love for the Savior. It's really easy to get caught up in the actions, at least it is for me, (laughs) to get really caught up in the actions, the gospel, that we miss the mark. It's really easy to be so wrapped up in trying to complete everything that our feelings turn sour. (laughs) What we need to remember 
is that what the Savior actually wants from us is our love. Just like any other normal person who loves someone deeply and is sacrificing a lot for them, what is really meaningful to them is that you love them back. As the Savior sat at dinner, pondering what was coming in six days, as he pondered what was going to be happening to his disciples, as he basically was just carrying the whole weight of the world before he carried the weight of the world. (laughs) It must have been so comforting to him how much she loved him. (laughs) So as you're completing your gospel checklist, remember that the Savior wants your affection above everything else. Example of this. So there have been a lot of times in my life that I have felt really obligated to study my scriptures for a certain amount of time. In order to be diligent and to really do what's right, I needed to study for a certain amount of time and I just, I needed to do that. And it's interesting (laughs) how that idea, this idea that I had to hit a certain amount of time had nothing to do with my love of the Savior and everything to do with my pride. (laughs) Because there have been other days when I have let go of that pride of what I think I'm supposed to be doing and hitting some level of righteousness or whatever. When I let go of my pride and... I let love be my motivating factor. Sometimes those days look like reading a page of the Book of Mormon and taking a nap. (laughs) If I could tell you the amount of times that I've been prompted to take a nap. (laughs) And it's funny because on those days when I just read a page of the Book of Mormon and take a nap, I love the Savior just as much as the days that I read a ton of the scriptures, right? When we are fulfilling actions gospel actions, it needs to be motivated by love. Now, second little detail that I want to pull out. This whole scenario, this whole story occurred at Martha's house. Martha is best known for her story about being cumbered, right? She was trying to do all this stuff for the people who were in her house. She was trying to be a good hostess. Her sister Mary is sitting at the feet of the Savior, and she comes to the Savior, and she's like, tell my sister to help me, please. And he was like, Martha. (laughs) In order to help Martha, he was like, you need to let go of stress, right? That was what was really going to help her, was letting go of stress. That is the story that Martha is best known for. And my heart goes out to that woman. (laughs) And if you think about this story, it could have played out in a similar fashion, right? So Martha is, once again, hostess. She is likely performing all of these actions, taking care of all of these guests in her home six days before the Passover, which is a whole nother workload in and of itself. And I picture her, she's in the back, she's working, and then she comes to bring more food out to the table, and she sees her sister at the feet of the Savior again. I don't actually know how that all played out. I don't know under what circumstances Martha became aware of Mary's actions. I don't know how Martha felt when she when she became aware of Mary's actions. But I can tell you how I hope that she felt. 
I hope that she felt uplifted by Mary's actions. I hope that in that moment when she became aware of what Mary was doing, I hope she felt a connection to Mary because she felt the same love for the Savior that Mary felt. I hope she looked at Mary and was like, I know exactly how you feel. (laughs) I hope that she had grown enough, that she felt secure enough (laughs) in her relationship with the Savior that she did not compare the actions that she was doing to the actions that Mary was doing. I hope that Martha was able to continue bestowing the gift that she was giving and being hostess and taking care of everybody. And I hope that she had a deep enough testimony that she knew that her sacrifices were just as seen as Mary's. Now, the principle here, even though it's a different detail, is the same. To let love motivate your actions. But I think the application looks a little bit different. (laughs) When we are not motivated by pride, when we're not motivated by pride, we do not feel threatened by the righteous actions of others. We do not feel dismayed that our actions weren't good enough. We don't feel like throwing in the towel because our actions are never going to be as good as Mary's. When we are not motivated by pride, our life feels lighter and more full at the same time. (laughs) When love is our motivation, right? When you think of Martha, if she was motivated by love in that moment as she was serving all of these guests in her home, if she had followed the Savior's advice to let go of the stress of it all and to let love motivate her. When we are motivated by love, we feel content in our own sacrifices and what we've given because we know that what the Savior really wants is us. That's really all he wants, right? He wants us to love him back. And it is an extremely freeing and happy way to live. As I was growing up, I was taught this principle that the Savior wants me. That's what he wants as the gift. He wants me to give myself, like to love him, to give my heart to him. That's what he wants. And as I thought about fulfilling this commandment, I think I had it a little askew. Actually, I know I had it a little askew in my mind about what it meant to give my heart. Because when I thought about it back then, what I thought it meant was that I just needed to completely sacrifice myself to give it all, to be a martyr, basically. But as I've grown older, and I have actually let love motivate me, and I've actually given my heart over to the Savior and let go of the pride aspect of being righteous still working on it, not perfect, but as I've started to let go of that pride aspect and I've let love motivate, I've realized that all the Savior really wants is my love and affection. And when I am motivated by love and affection for him, 
my life looks very different than it would if I was being motivated by pride. So like the example earlier, sometimes it means I take a nap (laughs) instead of reading my scriptures for an hour. The Savior wants my love because it's what made his life worth living. It's what makes his life worth living. It's what makes his atonement worth it. Our Savior is a personal Savior, not only because he felt everything that we felt, not only because he suffered personally for our sins, but because he wants a personal relationship with us. He wants us to call him up when we need advice. He wants us to call him up and tell him good news about what's happening in our life. He wants us to open the gifts he sent and to read the instruction manual and to utilize those gifts so our life can be easier. In the Savior's moment of need, heaven knows he would have been righteous anyway, but in his moment of need, Mary's gift meant the world to him. And it's not because he needed to be anointed. It's not because he needed expensive oil. It's not because he needed to have his feet cleaned. And if Mary hadn't given this token of affection, if she hadn't done this scenario, he still would have shouldered the atonement. But Mary's little action of washing his feet made it all worth it. And it's the same with us. He doesn't need, depends on what you mean by need in any given sentence, He doesn't need our love and tokens of affection, but I can assure you that he wants them just like any other natural person. (laughs) When you love somebody that much and you are sacrificing for them, the moments in which you feel fulfilled are the moments when you know that they know how much you love them and they love you in return. Those are the moments when it's like, okay, it was all worth it. It's not when you get gifts or presents back or you get your feet washed. It's the moments when you feel loved in return. I know that's how the Savior feels. I know that this experience with Mary meant the world to him because she loved him. I know that when I let love motivate my actions, that's when he feels happiest. Because of how he loves me and how he sacrificed for me. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.